Greetings, B-boys and B-girls, and welcome to Board With Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the burger and fries of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network, and I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me this week on the co-op adventure, the guy who likes his fries to reflect his personality, and that's Salty. Josh, how are you doing this evening? I think Kevin's going to be mad that I don't want to dethrone Salty Kevin. Well, I think it's just the whole like Northeast thing that you both got going on. Yeah, I guess we are salty over here. Literally, we're salty. All our roads are salty. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, how are you? Oh, you know, I'm hanging in there. It's uh, you know, I, I work in education, higher education, so it's a busy, busy time of year as the semester winds down and everyone's trying to get their last stuff done. So. Work's been a little crazy, but otherwise, I am great. So, so what's the B boys and B girls? Oh, have you not? Have you not gotten my references at the beginning of the of every episode? I think some of them I do, some of them I don't. They usually ask you. Yeah, they always refer to one of the games I am going to talk about. So uh, it's like a character okay. from either the board game or video game I'm going to talk about. It is always a reference to that. So. Yeah, so that is, you know, spoilers for later. Now that I know what you're talking about. (laughs) Awesome. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us this week. As always, send any feedback, questions, suggested topics to at BoardWithVG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff that Josh is is posting over on Instagram, also BoardWithVG. And remember, use that hashtag BoardWithVG so you can kind of keep us all in a nice little loop and, and in the know about what's going on on the social medias. So enough of the housekeeping shenanigans. Josh, what have you been playing on the tabletop this week? Okay, so I'm going to talk about a game that you guys can't play yet. (laughs) And I'm sorry. That's super nice of you. (laughs) And I'm sorry. Is this, do do we publish this to YouTube after we record? Sometimes they go up and sometimes they don't. I don't know what the logic behind it is. I don't do it, so I have no idea. All right, well, I'm going to show some images on the screen in, in a... If you guys, if this gets published to YouTube, check it out. If not, I'll post them on Instagram anyways. Um, but the game I'm going to talk about is, I got to pull it back, is Dice Throne. Okay. Hmm. So Dice Throne is a game I picked up at Pax Unplugged. It's, um, it was a Kickstarter game. So uh, I I tried to look before we started recording. I don't see a release date, so I'm not sure when it's coming out. I only checked their website. I didn't check Board Game Geek, so um, there might be something on there. Uh, what, what really caught me, got my attention, was the art for this game. So, um, so like, it's up to six players. Uh, like, this is a character board. And on the character board, they're all different. There's six different boards, but the art on these things, each one is different, and it's incredibly well done. And they also have like character sheets to go with them. And inside the box is perfectly set up tray. Uh, I'm gonna try to do it without the dice falling out. <laughs> where all the characters' gear and stuff are put in there together, and they're all separated, so there's no mess as you play the game, so to speak. Uh, One of the cool things about this game is um, 
It is essentially a deck slash dice building game. And on what you do, not really a dice building game. Um, on a player board, you have um, eight abilities. Typically, seven of them are attack abilities, and one is a defensive ability. On some characters, they have two defensive abilities. And then they all have an ultimate ability, and that's if you roll essentially a Yahtzee on your dice. So you roll your player pool, and uh, for the example of the Shadow Thief, you have a skill called Dagger Strike. Okay, So if you roll three daggers, it will deal four damage. However, if you roll six, uh, if you roll four daggers, you deal six damage. Five will deal eight damage. There's also special abilities. Um, but what you do while you're playing is you also have a hand of cards. And in the hand of cards are upgrades to your basic abilities. So essentially, if you, as you play, you can upgrade Dagger Strike 2, Dagger Strike 2, or Dagger Strike 3. And as you play, you roll your die. And you get two re-rolls afterwards. So you can now look at the dice you roll and strategize on if you want to re-roll a certain amount. Um, because it's not always like roll the exact same image. Like the Barbarian might have like roll a, a punch, a foot, and a shield for a certain ability. Uh, and as you do this, you're strengthening your quote-unquote deck of cards as you play. Um and you have these defensive abilities where you will re-roll, you'll roll defensive, uh, think like risk-esque, like dice rolling. Uh, what's really cool about this game is, I keep saying that, one of the cool things about this game, the first time we played it, we played with six people, and we decided to do teams, three versus three. But you don't have to do that. You can do one versus one, two versus two, uh, one versus two, three versus three, etc. Or you can do everyone against everybody. There's no set rules, and it's not like uh, it's not like when you look at a game and it says alternate two-player rules. Like nothing about the game changes, uh, except for uh, in a in a a game where you're playing with multiple people. When you're doing an attack, you don't get to choose who you're attacking. You actually have to roll a die. And it has a if you roll a one to a one to three, it's the person on your left, uh, or one and two person to your left, three and four person across from you, five and six person to your right. So you don't get to necessarily single someone out if you're playing teams. Um, if you're playing against everyone, I believe you can single people out. Uh, but it's a gorgeous game. It was very easy to learn. Uh, Eventually, six players on the first time you play, I wouldn't recommend <laughs> just because a lot of stuff is going on and people, you know, don't pay attention all the time when it's, you know, when it's not their turn. If, if you can do one V1 or two to four players would be ideal uh, when it's when it comes up. But I would say uh, keep your eyes open for this game. It's so good. I can't wait to play it again. And uh, it's one of those rare games where uh, it's not just a pretty game. I know there's a lot of games out there that get your attention because the arts doesn't have the, the game mechanics to support said art. And then also there's games out there that flip that on its head and the art's terrible and the game is great. 
Or you have games like Sentinels of the Multiverse where they're both terrible. Stop. Don't even. Don't even. <laughs> I'm just um, I just have to get that in there. <laughs> uh, they actually, Sentinels, they had a digital game for that at PAX Unplugged. Hmm. It's coming to tablets and the PC. Um, is the first, <laughs> did, you, did you actually play this at PAX Unplugged or did you just get it there and play it when you got it home? You know, we didn't play it there. Uh, we had the opportunity. Um, I got it autographed. I got it signed by one of the artists, the mm-hmm. head artist. Um, they kind of gave us like the elevator pitch at their, at their booth. Uh, and the, the art did sell me. Um, but one of the reps for the company did have me like, do a couple attack rules and a defense rule with them, but we were at that booth for maybe five minutes. Gotcha. And actually, they remembered us from the day on from Friday. The guy remembered us on Saturday morning, so that actually went a long way for me. Uh, <laughs> I can be charmed very easily, but uh, yeah, he remembered us, so uh, he won my favor right away. So I was going to listen to his pitch regardless. <laughs> Um, so it looks like I, I did a little snooping while you were talking. It looks like um, if you live in the Pacific Northwest and back the game on Kickstarter, they're actually doing like spots you can just come and pick up your game rather than oh. waiting for it to be shipped to you. Uh, but it looks like that uh, they just got or the bulk of their shipment for U.S. people is coming this week. Then then the one will be get sent out to Kickstarter backers. So look at you. You're one of those people who got the game before the Kickstarter backers. You paid for it already. Well, don't tell anyone. <laughs> and the company is Mind Bottling Games, so I definitely appreciate the uh, Anchorman reference in their game company. <laughs> um, and you can go to DiceThrone.com to check them out. Um, and they are announcing that they will be re- releasing more heroes uh, in the future, so that's something I'm definitely looking forward to checking out um and i wasn't i was gonna talk about viral today but i didn't have time to prepare a lot of craziness with the kid around the house so um i'll try to do some some uh, more work and i'll talk to viral uh next week but uh why don't you enlighten us on what you've been playing yeah so while you know josh was playing this really awesome cool well-produced awesome component game I want to talk about a really small card game called Okie Dokie. Uh, Okie Dokie is a card game, has about 50 cards total in it. It was designed by Hisashi Hiyashi uh, and is published in the U.S. by Tasty Minstrel. It's a cooperative card game for two to five players. And what you're attempting to do is put on a music festival. But like many of these style games, um, you know, Hanabi is the one that jumps to my mind right away. Yeah, I mean, we're kind of putting on a music festival, but really we're just trying to put cards in order, and they had to put a cool theme on it. So the art in the game is not great, but they definitely commit to a style, and the style works, and it's pretty cute. Uh, So it works for the most part. But what you're trying to do is you want to place all 50 cards out on the table. Um, So you have five rows and ten columns of cards when you're done. Um, when you start, though, you have to do one row at a time. And each, or excuse me, you have to do one column at a time, and each row always has to be the same color. So you have one row for, you know, one row is all red, one row is all blue, one row is all orange, etc. And then you have 10 columns. Now, when you're playing out the cards, 
It's pretty straightforward. You play out a card in a row, and then your you know teammate, because it's a cooperative game, will go and play out a card in a different um, row in the same column. You can't move on to like column two until column one is completely filled up. In addition to that, though, you also have to reset one of the rows in each column. So basically, you're playing four color, four of the five colors, and one reset card each for each column, basically. But there's only two reset cards for each color. So you have to kind of try to plan out, okay, when are we going to reset these and how are we going to reset these? Because the trick is you have to play the cards. Uh, if, say, I lay down a two, the next card just has to be higher than a two in that row. But since it's a cooperative game, you cannot talk about the cards you have in your hands with <laughs> the other people around the table. So you can say very vague things like, I would like to play on green. Like that's allowed, but you can't talk about like the number of green cards you have, the number of the numbers of the cards in your hand, uh, whether you have, um, when you're learning the game, there's like a wild card that basically is an equals card um, to kind of help you if you're not really understanding how to communicate and things like that. So, you know, the whole trick of the game is like, okay, how are we going to communicate about what we have and try to fill out this 50 card column? Or 50, these 50 cards in these 10 columns. And obviously, if you get to a point where you can't play a card, or nobody any, anymore can play a card, the game is over. Uh, you can count the total number of cards that you got out there, um, and that can be kind of, quote-unquote, your score towards the 50. Um, but really, you just lose the game, <laughs> unless you get all the cards out. So I don't think I explained that really, really well. Uh, I, think I, I think you did. Yeah, so it's a game. Once you start playing, it makes perfect sense as soon as you start going. You're like, all right, I got to play one of a card in one in one of these five colors in this column, um, knowing that you know something's going to have to reset. The one downfall I will say to this game is I've only played it two players. Obviously, just the wife and I have played it together. And after playing with the wild cards a few times, we took all of them out and we're playing just with the cards in the deck. The downfall to two players is when you get to about round seven you know exactly who has what cards. Because you have seven in a two-player game, you have seven cards in your hand. So you basically know, without talking at all, probably what are the orders we need to play these in in order to finish things out so that I don't... Like, if I have, you know, a seven and an eight, I know that she might have... She has to have the six in that color and things like that. So right. with only two players, towards the end of the game... You, we didn't even have to really talk. We could just play things out just fine. The only thing that we sometimes would have to be like, okay, when do we want to reset this row versus this row and all of that good stuff. So I think with more players, it would kind of get rid of that aspect. But as a quick, you know, 10, 15 minute filler, uh, the game says on the box, it takes 16 to 32 minutes. So that's what the box tells you. Um, but as, as a quick filler, I think it's a, it's a fun game. Um, I'm a big fan of Red 7. My wife is not. Um, she definitely prefers this game to Red 7. So, you know, like I said, this is not a game that you're going to play for three or four hours, and it's not a game that's really going to melt your brain. Um, but if you're looking for an easy way to start a night or end a night as far as um, playing games go, I think Okie Dokie might be a good fit for it. So I recommend, you know, and it's pretty inexpensive. It's probably about a $10 game. Um, nice, small little box, easy to throw in a bag. Or if you're looking for an easy game to play at, like, at work over lunch with somebody to maybe introduce them into, you know, some other types of games. Um, I think Okie Dokie might fit the bill. Nice. Very cool. Uh, I was going to ask, is it, it sounds like, is it like a cooperative trick-taking game? 
I mean, yes and no. Like, there's no points for, like, the reason I hesitate to call it trick-taking in the sense is there's, like, no points for anything like that. Like, there's no, gotcha. um, you don't collect anything. Like, the whole point is to get the cards out in numerical order as close as you can. Um, and, you know, sometimes you get in situations where, like, I, I mean, there were a couple times where you're like, I literally have no cards for this color, nor does, you know, my partner. So I guess that's clearly the role we're resetting this turn because na- neither one of us can play on it. Yeah. You know, so you kind of run into situations like that sometimes, which again, with two people, you can kind of grok a little bit easier than maybe you could with four or five of like, none of us have cards of that color. Um, but yeah, I, would, I wouldn't I would call it a trick-taking game. Personally, okay. I, I wouldn't at least. Sure. All right. Cool. Sounds good. All right. Let's move on to our board game topic of the week. And uh, well, it's a, it's a topical one for sure. <laughs> Uh, so legacy games have become uh, quite the popular titles now uh, with Charterstone dropping today and Betrayal Legacy and it'll be interesting to talk about um, what existing board game IPs uh, we think are right for the picking to be the next legacy game or even just like a legacy thought, because you could pretty much look at any game you have and say, oh, Avalon, uh, Resistance, Legacy. <laughs> you, you know, they might not all be great. Um, so we're going to give you some thoughts, and uh, I'll start uh, with something that I thought was real simple, and it kind of it takes, takes me back to like when they made Risk Legacy, and, you know, you probably have these people sitting around saying, uh, how do we make risk more diverse? How do we make risk different? Every version of risk is, is essentially the same. Uh, I was going to say, how do we make risk good? <laughs> yeah, well, and then, yeah, and a lot of people don't love risk. Um, uh, I actually hated risk when I wasn't a board gamer, you know, when I was like a more of a, like a life or a monopoly player. Mm-hmm. I couldn't appreciate it. Now I, I love it and I could play it all the time. But we're not here to talk about risk. <laughs> um, but my thought was right around that mindset. And I was like, what game could we potentially see a legacy game of um, that could introduce people to legacy games? And I thought, why Catan? Catan, perfect game to to reinvent the series. Like if you walk into uh, Barnes & Noble right now, we as we did over the past weekend, all the Catans are on sale, 25% off. But there's like Family Edition Catan, mm-hmm. Rivals of Catan, two players, Seafarers Catan, like all these different Catans. Most of them are expansions. Um, but they're all, I don't know, I, I prefer vanilla Catan. So to me, it's all it's all the same. It's all the same art it's the same stuff like why not make this a legacy game where you're creating the tiles you're putting these stickers down changing what each space may give you what need what numbers are on them or what letters sorry so maybe you get to decide uh, and you have to set up this board the same every time or is it still random Obviously, I'm not a game designer, but uh, there's so many things I could see them doing uh, with it. Spice up the resources, change them up if you have to. 
Um, give yourself characters so you're not just playing as a pawn uh, of, a, of just a generic color. Um, like they have this whole um, Catan Universe game out there where you actually are picking a character and your um, Catan Stories is now out on like on, on phones and stuff. Mm -hmm. They have a, a great... Um, and with the Catan movie eventually coming out, like what a, what a great time to kind of reinvent this whole franchise and and uh, make it a little bit more entertaining. What do you think? I, you think I'm crazy? No, I think that's a great idea. Honestly, when I started thinking about this category, you know, Catan was not one of the games I thought of, but I thought of games that are like the next Catan, like the next steps of Catan. Like Terra Mystica was a game I thought of. Terraforming Mars was a game I thought of, and they're not on my list. But those were games that when I started initially thinking of this, that style of game is what I initially thought of. Uh, and I think, you know, rolling it all the way back to Catan, I think would be a great idea because I think there is so much you could do with it. And not that you would have to do it this way, but with the expansions, like those easily could almost be like, oh, and then like Barbarians app. Like you could almost like make those part of, you know, the legacy game as it goes on. You already have some options of things you could do. Right. So, no, I think that's a great pick. Thank you. So <laughs> my the first one that I came down on after thinking of all of those styles of games, and I was like, man, I want to do something a little different. I went to one of my favorite games that I actually haven't played in a while, and then I got really sad that I haven't played it, and that's Dead of Winter. I think mm. Dead of Winter would make an excellent, excellent legacy game especially with that crossroads mechanic of saying, oh, this happened. So now, you know, did this, are you in this state or did this thing occur? Now, if it did, this thing happens. Like, I think there's so much built into that. And the characters are already really cool and unique. And the world is really vibrant and robust. And you already have all these separate locations, but the things you do could become more permanent. Like, I think Dead of Winter is a game that, you know, as someone who kind of creates their own narrative while I'm playing it anyway, because I'm that nerd who's kind of like telling a story as my person goes, I always try to be sparky and like run, you know, the dog and go do things. Yeah. Like, you know, I think having that done in a more robust way, the game already tells stories so well that I think it would be cool. And the scenarios are there, like, instead of like being like, oh, now do this scenario, now do this scenario, let's connect them together and like create this through line through everything and i think that they have a really good framework already there uh, i just think it'd be really cool to have that idea of like you know whether it be quote-unquote legacy so things are become permanent or more of a campaign style where you're you know taking things with you i think you know dead of winter is a game that would fit this very well and i'd be very excited to play a legacy dead of winter what say you sir is that a good pick or not yeah i think it's i think it's a great idea and <clears throat> it's like um like i know that the war and colonies expansion is out uh mm -hmm. so it's definitely a fran uh, franchise i'll call it a franchise because it kind of feels like one that people are really like uh able to f to it's like a good walking dead board game <laughs> i know that it's i know that i mean i have a walking dead board game i think is good but i think like stylized it's not just a brainless, no pun intended, kill zombies game. Right. Like it's like a full fledged. Uh, you need to do some real thinking, and and uh, 
I would be curious how the, the trader mechanic would work in the legacy version of it. I think that could be interesting, though. Yeah. So you know, and partially, too, I just really want <laughs> another game that, and granted, this would still be a dead of winter game. I really want another game with a cro- using Crossroads. Yeah. Like, I think that mechanic is so cool. And, like, you know, Dead of Winter is Dead of Winter, a Crossroads game. Like, they made such a big deal about that when that game yeah. came out. And now nothing nothing <laughs> nothing come on plaid hat you're one of my favorite developers like board game publishers out there i know you got something colby what's going on man <laughs> i want another crossroads game anyway so that's my my pick what's next on your list sir well why don't let's why don't we take that crossroads we'll bleed it into my pick because uh i think it would be a game that would benefit from crossroads i think most games would mm-hmm. um this is a pure fanboy pick um so this might not be for everyone, but I really would love to see a Firefly Legacy game. All right, so, I'll be honest. I've I've actually never played the Firefly board game. So okay, so even if you didn't play the the board game, uh, coming from like I think the board game is a perfect, not perfect. It is a very well done uh, uh, IP from an existing series that is. Uh, uh, like captured the hearts of all these, all of us fanboys out there. The game is very good. The problem is finding the time and the people to play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me personally, I know there's some there's people out there that play it all the time. Um, but the one thing that I don't think the game captures is what the series uh, does. In that, every time you play the game, it's just redoing it again. If we took, if you take this game and you take your ship captain's decisions are permanent or or somehow affect your next gameplay, mm-hmm. that changes every decision you would make in that game. Because in the game, you're not just Mal with with serenity with the with serenity. Your other your badger, your other uh, captains out there in your own ships, you know competing with Reavers and the Alliance and trying to escape or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you took that mechanic and really put some weight onto the decisions you're making, instead of just trying to to get more money and complete a bunch of cargo missions to side with this scum or the, with the Alliance or whatever your, your decision, I think that that would be, uh, I think it would make that game feel that much more like the series and like in the game you can regular you can very easily pick up new crew mm-hmm. but in a legacy game to make that harder to do would give that crew uh addition way more weight as well to the decisions you're making in the game so i just feel like it's what i would want what i really would want from a firefly game the downside to all legacy games in my opinion is once you've played them you've played them and I always feel like you're shortchanging people by limiting the amount of time you can play a game, but it's not very much different from a video game. Am I happy with Horizon Zero Dawn with paying $60, $75 with the expansion, and then just being done? Well, yeah, I can go back and play it, but I'm done, and I'm happy with that. So as long as you can get a, a legacy game to give you that, I think it's just contrary to the board game hobby. 
Right. You buy a board game because you can play it for the rest of its life or your life, whatever happens to end first. Um, so that's that's my, but that, I'm getting off topic. What do you think about the, the Firefly idea at least? I think that's a good, I think that's a good pick. I like that because it, especially since it is something that, you know, was a, you know, short lived, unfortunately television show and has a movie, you know, 10 episodes in a yeah. movie um, or 12 episodes, whatever it was. Uh, I think it's a good fit because I think you do have that natural, you know, like expectation of like, or an idea potentially of like how that game could, could, could progress a little bit. Um, so I think it's good. And my only, my only counter argument to, you know, legacy games, then you can't play them anymore. I don't know how many game board games in my collection I've played more than 15 times, 16 That's times. True. You know, yeah. so it's like, yeah, I can play this, you know, legacy game like Pandemic 12 to 24 times. Okay, well, I don't know how many more, I don't know how many games in my collection I've played more than 24. It's probably a handful. Yeah. You know, so That's like, eh, that's my only counter to that. No, that's a good point. So my next pick uh, is actually, I think, maybe a little weird. I, in my mind, this would work, but maybe it wouldn't. So this is a game that has already gone from being a kind of larger game to a smaller game. Uh, but now I think we should push it to be a legacy game. And that's actually Seven Wonders. Oh. And the reason I say Seven Wonders is if you think about what you're doing in that game by drafting things and drafting resources and doing all these things, you're kind of creating like a you're creating a civilization just in a drafting form. Um, each you know in each game, the one thing that I've never I I've always wished Seven Wonders could have done better is like the game is called Seven Wonders, but when you build a wonder, it isn't that cool. Right. So you're like, yeah, I built my wonder. That's great, and then you move on. But imagine if you played this this game and it's you know it was twelve or twenty or whatever fifteen playthroughs and like every third or fourth game you built one wonder like that's what you're working towards like you're when you're you know um, getting resources and deciding what you need you're like okay eventually you know I want to try to get to build this wonder and you know your military is like not only my building military but I'm deciding where it's stationed on my borders and like who's it defending me from who and I'm creating alliances and do I really want to invest in research and science and things like that? Like, I think it'd be such a cool concept of taking that feeling of building a wonder and saying, all right, in game three, I built this thing and it was like this really cool epic moment. Uh, and that, cause I think that's the one thing that that game misses. And I think by putting it into a legacy format, it would hopefully have the opportunity of bringing it back and making building those, you know, seven wonders of the world feel like a really cool, awesome accomplishment. So that is my second pick, seven wonders. Is that, is that just dumb? No, I, I like, <laughs> I like, I like your idea. Um, I think it's cool when you were talking about it before you even got to the part about building a wonder every third or fourth game, I was thinking as you're talking about it, like, in a game, you strive to like build a stage of a wonder, like yeah, exactly a base of the Sphinx in this game. Right. So no, I think that's a really cool idea. I like that. Um, so what do you think? In the interest of time, uh, I think we might have to to move into board to video games. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Did you have a third one, and you can just name it? I did Carcassonne. Oh, awesome! My third one was actually Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Nice. So awesome. yeah. I was thinking Carcassonne, like you're always changing the tiles. So like some one game, someone puts down a road mm-hmm. and the next game you can demolish it and you put like an X over the road. So it's oh, just yeah. like a, a waste piece. 
That'd be very or, cool. Or something like that. Yeah. And I thought, you know, castles, because, you know, like after a, a game, you have a small castle. In the second game, you have a bigger castle. In the third game, you have a bigger castle, you know. So let's just make big, cool castles and you can get some other stuff going in it too. So, nice. you know, board games are great, but I think maybe <laughs> it's time that we take a sharp turn to the digital. So, Josh, what have you been playing on your television? So, I picked up PUBG for all you guys who know that. Player Unknowns Battlegrounds. Player Unknown Battlegrounds. I always get that title messed up. <laughs> so Player Unknowns Battleground or Player Unknown Battlegrounds. You guys know it, what I'm talking about. It's Player Unknowns po- apostrophe yeah. s Battlegrounds. The ultimate life and death struggle. I think is actually the full name. Something like that. Yeah, but anyway, it pops up on the screen every once in a while. Yeah. I don't really pay attention to it. <laughs> um, uh, so. It dropped last night at midnight. Um, all these people who were thinking there weren't going to be server issues stayed up till midnight to play it. I just <laughs> downloaded it and went to bed, um, knowing that that was going to be an issue. So I got some game time in today. I'm only talking about it because I haven't, re- I didn't really get any game time this past week. Um, so uh, I haven't had any experience with it. I didn't play it on the PC. I did play H1Z1 on the PC, so kind of have the base idea of the game have you played uh, fortnite at all or no i did play fortnite battle royale on playstation i think um and i was I, it's a free game i was plagued with some uh, issues my first couple times playing so i kind of gave up on it knowing that this game was coming out mm-hmm. um so uh, i'll address what a lot of people are talking about already so before you jump into the game, you're put into a lobby, uh, which is full of the people who are going to be in your game. So typically, you're going to be in there with 100 people, uh, especially when the game just comes out. So it doesn't look great. It's real choppy. Uh, I saw some people saying, what am I playing, a GoldenEye sequel? Like, <laughs> Ouch. I, I just, I, yeah. So it, it was bad. The textures weren't dropping in. Um, it was a little choppy. I mean, it's a game preview for a reason, right? Right, and it isn't game preview, and they're very open about that right away. So uh, that didn't really determine too much. I kind of expected that. Um, jumped into the game. Uh, the game ran fine. Uh, I had a couple clipping issues right away, um, but it solved itself, and like the textures drop in, you know, as you're getting closer, like any early PS4 game that you've ever played. That's open worlds. You know, you kind of get an idea that you're running towards a tree. You don't see all the leaves until you're right in front of it. Uh, And I'm sure they'll fix that as well. Uh, To The way that I describe it to people at work who don't know about this game is it's the Hunger Games. 1v100, unless you're in teams. Um, But typically, uh, if you go in Lone Wolf, it's 1 versus 100, and it's the fight to survive. And you drop on this island where... uh, you need to get to basically they're herding everyone to one local spot on the island. So once you land, you have five minutes essentially to get your bearings, find some weapons and fight to survive. You drop with no gear, just the clothes on your back. And if you do it right, you drop out of a jump out of a plane parachute down if you do it right you land where nobody else is 
If you do it wrong, you follow everyone and you immediately get killed. So don't don't do that. Or uh, be the person who kills everyone else. Yeah, or be the person who kills everyone else. Uh, you won't hear any loud cannon shots in the air every time someone's killed. So it's not exactly like the Hunger Games. Uh, <laughs> But uh, what you, uh, for me, I'll, get, I'll tell you my experience. The first game I dropped, I thought I dropped in a reasonable spot. I didn't do good map management. So I wasn't really uh, paying too much attention. And what happens is after that first five minutes, the game creates a barrier. And this barrier, if you're not inside it, will deal you damage while you're outside of it so your goal is to get inside that barrier just like everybody else and as you play the game it slowly and slowly gets smaller so the first barrier dropped i thought i'm looking at my mini map i'm good i'm inside that barrier so i'm taking my time watching player count drop 99 78 62 people dying all the time I'm like i'm doing good i'm like the top 40 had you seen up, or killed anyone at that point yet? I haven't seen anyone. I haven't <laughs> killed anyone. I'm in a house. And all of a sudden, like, blood's popping up on my screen. And then I quickly realized the barrier I thought I saw was a road on the map. It wasn't a barrier. And that wasn't a stamina bar on the bottom of my screen. That was my health. <laughs> uh, so the first game, I died. I got killed by the map. Second game, I thought I dropped in a good spot, and I ended up running the whole game to try to get to inside the barrier. The maps are huge. They have to be. The, the map. map. Map, sorry. One map. <laughs> There'll be another map. There will be another map soon, yes. Soon. Um, there are vehicles. I couldn't find any. That would have saved me a lot of time. Um, I did get a couple kills in my second game. I did get down to 24, top 24. Nice. Uh, so I did pretty good. Uh, overall, I really enjoy it. I wasn't really plagued by too many issues, and it wasn't anything game-breaking. So I'll say this. For the $30, I think it is, for a game mm -hmm. preview, uh, this game is only going to be getting better over time. And it was only 5 gigabyte download, which I thought was insane, and no patch to download. So I couldn't believe it. I thought for sure this is going to be like a, 40 gig download and then 10 gig update every day like destiny i think destiny's a bit bigger well it's bigger <laughs> sure but i guess i don't know i guess i expected it to be bigger maybe maybe i expected it to be too big <laughs> um but yeah i mean that's it i'll talk about it uh, briefly as we progress uh weekly uh, it won't be my game of the week but i'll try to drop in some notes and updates on how the game's going but uh um, that's it. I recommend it. Uh, you know what you're getting, though. It's a game preview. You're not getting the full game, uh, per se. I mean, you could be getting the full game. They can decide that whenever they want, that it's no longer in game preview. Uh, so that's a risk. But um, just like any Kickstarter, it's a risk every time. You're giving people your money. Well, they don't necessarily need it, but uh, it's a fun experience, and I, I give it two thumbs up for awesome. me. So... What you playing? That's awesome. <laughs> um, I am playing a game that I can't talk too much about because I have not played all that much of it because Assassin's Creed Origins and Overwatch are eating up all of my time recently. 
those two games, my lord, Overwatch has got its hooks into me bad again. Maybe one week I'll just talk about Overwatch as my game because, ugh, I love that game so much. But anyway, I have recently jumped into the game called Floor Kids on Switch. And if you are not familiar with Floor Kids, it is a breakdance rhythm battle game. And what you do is you pick your character, uh, and there are multiple of them with different strengths and different areas of breakdancing, which I'll be, I don't know. I know nothing about breakdancing. I think it looks really cool. I couldn't tell you anything about it. So, but there, each character has, you know, different strengths and weaknesses in the different areas. And you can p- compete at different locations throughout the city, just trying to rack up high scores, um, you know, attempting to earn five stars to unlock additional locations, additional characters, all that good stuff. Um, different dance moves are accomplished based on button presses and combinations and they have to be done or should be done ideally in the beat to the in beat with the music. So the downfall to this game, just based on how I play my Switch, is my Switch is the thing I'm playing when uh, the wife's watching something on television or you know, 20 minutes before bed, I'm laying in bed, I want to play something. That tends to be where I play my Switch. However, for this game, you have to have the music cranked because <laughs> you want to do everything in rhythm with the music, which isn't super conducive when somebody's trying to watch television or you're trying to go to bed and somebody's trying to sleep next to you. So that's a bummer, but the music is excellent. Uh, It's a lot of, a lot of fun. Um, There's no like monitor for the beat. Like you just have to feel it. You just have to do it. It's not like some of those other rhythm games where it's like, oh, here's when the beat is. Like you just have to feel it and go with it. Um, People in the crowd will shout out different, like, well, shout out. There'll be like wording on the screen of like different types of moves and things that the folks in the crowd want. And you get bonus points for doing that. Um, If you do most of your moves in the strength of your character, you get additional points. If you have a wide variety of moves that you do while you're dancing, you get, it increases your score. And overall, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It is a fun game. Um, It is $19 and 90 cents, which apparently is a reference to a breakdancing move. I, yeah, I don't know anything. <laughs> but from the articles I've read about this game, because I started playing it, I'm like, this is really cool. Um, from the articles I've read about it, apparently it is a pretty um, excellent representation of you know the breakdance and hip-hop culture uh, that is pretty well done. And the people who have been involved with it um, apparently are quite knowledgeable and, and are representing things well there. So like I said, I just really enjoy rhythm games, and I think this is an interesting, different take on it. It's fun to play. So if you are interested in that style of game, I recommend getting giving Floor Kids a shot. Nice. So moving on to our video game topic of the show. If you listen to the flagship PSVG podcast, you'll have heard myself, Donnie, and Kevin talk about our top five favorite games of the year thus far. So I encourage you to listen to that. But I thought it was only fair if we gave Josh the opportunity to take us through his five favorite games of 2017. Now, important thing to note here at PSVG, we talk very much about what our favorites are. There are games that, you know, we're, none of us do this as a profession or for a living. There's a lot of games that all of us have missed out on. Um, so there might be games that do or do not show up on lists, maybe just because simply we haven't had an opportunity to play them. But without further ado, Josh, give us a rundown. What were your five favorite games of 2017? Okay. <clears throat> I appreciate the opportunity to talk about them. Uh, I'm getting some I'm missing my PSVG casts every time they ask me to do it now. <laughs> it's it's never at a good time. You're um, too committed to this program. 
I prefer this one. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> probably because it's just you and me. I don't have to. We only have to compete with each other. I don't have to compete with everybody else. <clears throat> uh, sorry, uh, that's tangent number fifteen for today. <laughs> Uh, so no surprise to anyone who has ever listened to me on a podcast, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn is uh, very much in my top five games <laughs> for the year. Woot woot! Um, uh, I'll give you my list so we can talk about whatever we want, I guess. Uh, Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle would be uh, in that as well as um, Injustice 2. Um, I Destiny 2 is on there. I, I I didn't know if I should do that or not, but I, I think I enjoyed it enough so far mm-hmm. that, uh, that it fits in the top five games of the year. And then maybe surprising to people, maybe not, Perception is my fifth game, um, my fifth favorite game of the year. Wow, um, okay. That's a, and, that's a bit surprising to me. Yeah, and Perception really snuck up on me. That was a game that I'm pretty sure I talked about it before. I was I was given it uh, as an assignment to review and didn't expect really much. Uh, in fact, I expected it to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and maybe that's why it's so high up there because it took me from um, like a negative per- perception. <laughs> uh, uh, neg- it took me from the negative to uh, overwhelmingly surprised and happy uh with the game i still i'm still if it's on the switch now uh people need to get this game whether it's xbox or switch or playstation i think it's on playstation it is yeah um uh it's just well conceived like someone was like i want to make a game where you're the protagonist is blind and in a horror setting, it, it it's just like as I couldn't have, I couldn't imagine how they got it done. Having that idea, sitting down at a table and said, "Okay, you're going to walk around using echolocation with a cane to your walking stick, and we're not even going to introduce necessarily a haunted house until halfway through the game. Like, really, you're just trying to explore your childhood home." And figure out like where your parents are and what's going on. Um, it was just kind of a, a a surprise. I would say shock, but that's kind of another pun on that game. Um, uh, Mario Kingdom, Mario Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. I mean, you played that, right? I haven't. But before we move on to Mario yeah. Rabbit's, let me ask you a yeah. quick question about perception. So, if you Google perception and take a look, you know you'll see. The information about it on the you know how it, they always have on the right hand side like kind of a breakdown from wikipedia and they'll have like the metacritic score yeah. and then like one other it's like maybe another score or two sitting there the score from ign for perception was a 4.8 out of 10. <laughs> so my question is like you're telling people hey this is a great game but if they google it they're going to see you know a metacritic of 56 and an yeah. ign score of 4.8 where's it where's the what were those people missing that maybe you think is like you know makes this game worthwhile i don't you know i don't know that's really that's really odd to me i mean i don't know personally i i don't like ign for anything (laughs) anymore 
<laughs> I know, but um, I mean, I didn't realize how low it's growing. I mean, it's get uh, on Xbox One. It's a six. It's at sixty. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, Steam user reviews are like a nine. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's like a Rotten Tomatoes kind of thing. Critics and users. Um, I think it's. I don't know. For me, it's. I don't know what I give it. An eighty-five. Mm-hmm. I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, the, for me, it was just maybe. Uh, the game itself, I mean, I can see if they're kind of if they kind of chop it down, maybe because maybe they thought it was bland. Because I mean, a lot of it is dark and black, mm-hmm. and like when you use your echolocation, it's really just giving you like a, um, a bluish hue to to objects. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you're playing as a blind character. What do, what do they expect you to do? Um, I thought the story was engaging. I thought I was genuinely curious with the main character. Uh, there's a there's a part in the game where she uses her phone and it uses an actual service that blind people use on their phones to uh, to to scan objects in real world and have it read it back to them and and things like that. It really kind of opened up my eyes a little bit to like a very 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 small percentage of what that lifestyle is like. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know me. It, Clearly, it's not for everyone, I guess. I wish there was a demo. I wish they would put something out where you could try it. Right. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know. Right. And I trust you. I mean, like I said, I shouldn't probably shouldn't put you on the spot like that. I just, oh, if no, people no, are no. like, oh, if they go look at it, their their initial reaction might be a little bit like, well, is this the right game that he was talking about? Yeah, no, no I don't feel put on the spot. I mean, that's a good question to ask. I didn't even, I didn't even think to look at other reviews. Um but yeah, I mean, if if we're, if between the two of us, I mean, if we're recommending a game to someone, we uh, by all means should ask the other person why. So, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, but... my other games are not going to be that low. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I never played uh, Mario Rabbids to get back onto what you're moving on to. Sorry, uh, I that's uh, style wise, I've just never really enjoyed that style. Yeah, like I've never really enjoyed XCOM. It's just not been a type of game that I have particularly enjoyed in the past. So I did not sure. choose to jump into this one. I'll tell you, I, I didn't, I didn't really like X. I don't really like XCOM either. Um, and I think the last like tactics game I played was final fantasy tactics. Uh, <laughs> so it's not necessarily my genre. Like I never got into the ogre battle and mm-hmm. um, I wasn't the biggest fan of the fire emblem. Uh, game on the phone. I still play it just to log in to get orbs, but that's about it. Uh, so uh, it wasn't necessarily down my alley, but the humor is top notch. Uh, the story's crazy, wacky, fun, and entertaining. And uh, for me, it was like the, that Mario I was waiting for. There's, you know, mm-hmm. pre Odyssey. Uh, I still think I like it more than Mario Odyssey. Uh, <clears throat> but that's probably because I just spend more time with it. Um, but for me, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and, and you know, how important you with Destiny Two and Justice Two is just—I mean, it's just the best fighting game on the market. Period. Um, <laughs> I don't have to say much more about it. I think the Adam dropped today. Um, I don't know if you've seen any video of his gameplay. I haven't. I actually—I I need to re-download that game. He literally changes sizes during the match. 
even when he's dodging, he shrinks just enough, <laughs> just from like six feet to four feet. It's incredible just to watch. Um, <clears throat> I can't wait. To, I haven't tried him yet. I'm going to have to jump on the PlayStation, download him, download that game that I picked up today on your recommendation. And oh, then, Armello? <clears throat> Armello. And then I'll maybe I'll talk about that next week. Yeah. If I get the time. Um, we're in the wrap-up phase, I think, unless you want to talk a little bit more about um, your games or my games. Well, I, uh, I mean, really, really briefly, um, I mean, Horizon, I mean, we both are adore that game, so I don't think we necessarily need to wax poetic about that one anymore. But um, you skipped over Destiny 2. Why did you yeah. skip over Destiny 2? I just are feel you, like we talked about it a bunch. <laughs> no, no, we, I think we talked about it a bunch um, on here even, buddy. Mm-hmm. I was on a hour and a half long destiny two podcast <laughs> like which like sucked the life out of me uh I'm, I'm enjoying the new story i know some people have had issues with it um <clears throat> it brings enough of that like egyptian lore into the game for me like real like the style stylization of it mm-hmm. so i like that i like the theme of it um i like the idea of this elite warlock that you're trying to find and his mm-hmm. story and is this just time travel gone wrong kind of story and uh, this lost ghost that just happened to be lying around that Zavala <laughs> knew about this whole time. Yeah. She never mentioned, um, but I like it. I haven't finished it yet. I haven't gotten through the entire DLC yet. I've been taking it slow. I know a lot of people rushed through, just completed it right away. Mm-hmm. I will say this. I intentionally did not buy Prometheus lens. <laughs> that they had available for Zer, the thing that's been that is going to be nerfed, I'm sure. Now it, it is. <laughs> it, I think the hot patch fix already came out, and it's like it's way underpowered now. Like yeah, way I, underpowered. Yeah, there's no need for me to buy that. <laughs> uh, no, I'm still enjoying it. I think it, uh, Destiny Two is easily in my top five for me because it's more of Destiny One. And All I right. loved Destiny One. <laughs> yeah, I because I played a I played um, the campaign. I actually sat down and finished. Unlike you, I finished it all in one sitting. Went through it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a little uh, less challenging than I hoped it would be. When you get towards some of the um, bigger boss fights, I didn't find it was me and one other person running it. And we didn't have any problems at all um, in finishing them up. Uh, the only thing that I got annoyed by during it, and I don't know if this has happened to you or if you're at that part, but there are parts where you're like on Mercury and they're like, oh, you need to go talk to Ikora. And you go talk to Ikora and you like literally hit X and that's it. And then you just have to go right back, back to Mercury. Mercury. And I'm like, yeah. really? Like, come. If I didn't have like three minutes of loading each direction, yeah. like I really wouldn't care that. But are you, I mean, no wonder this is like a two hour you know, you're making it two hours because you're making me go to like hit one button and go back to right where I was. And that was the only part that really annoyed me. And they did like, that in the, in the first Destiny when you had to go to um, the Queen's ship. <laughs> it was like a long loading screen and then a quick CG animated scene. And then they're like, go to Earth and fight the hive. And you're like, oh, why did I just have to go to you? Well, for waste 20 minutes <laughs> of my life. But the funny thing was, like, even if it had been like an animated cutscene, I would have been more okay with it. But the, there was yeah. one particular one where there's no, not even a cutscene. 
You just go up, you walk to her. She has her like little menu that comes up like normal. That's like has like the little wording on it, and you hit X, and then it's done. And then you're like, all right, back to Mercury. <laughs> like, yeah. great. All right, that was wonderful. <laughs> so much fun. So much fun. So very excellent list overall, sir. I think that you have a lot of excellent, excellent games there, and I think you have a unique list compared to most people for the year. So I think that's very awesome to see. Thank um, you. That's that's cool. So be sure, all you wonderful listeners, to tell us what your top five games are of the year at Board with VG. Uh, we love to hear what your lists are, hear what you think the best, nah, we won't say best, what your favorite games were that you played that came out in 2017. So Josh, what do you say? Should we wrap this thing up? I think so. I'll, I just want to say, I can't believe Horizon got snubbed at the Video Game Awards. You know, uh... <laughs> I, was a little, I was a little bummed about that, but then... I sat back and I said, you know what? Just because like my enjoyment of that game is not dependent on what other people think of it. I love that game and I I know other people enjoy it or don't enjoy it or or it gets compared to other games all the time and that's fine. I adore that game. I'm really excited for what I know is going to be a second one eventually. Um and yeah, I'm bummed because a little bummed because I'm like, man, why don't people recognize how good it was? But, I mean, it was nominated in like six categories. So clearly people recognize that it's a good game. So. That's true. Well said. Well said. Okay. That's a great. We'll leave on that note. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Um, remember, find us on social media at Board with VG. That is B-O-A-R-D, as we keep saying. Uh, as we are ridiculed by our PSVG mates. Uh, we <laughs> did spell it correctly. Uh, don't forget to use hashtag BoardWithVG on any of your gaming pictures. Uh, you can find me at Josh Bones on Twitter. And I'm still waiting for you Machi Koro players to hit me up. Seriously, let me know. I got some free stuff for you. <laughs> that should get you to jump on there, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Machi Koro is great. If you have vanilla Machi Koro or maybe you get it for Christmas or you buy it for your kids, hit me up. Uh, I'll make it the first two people now. Hit me up on Twitter at Josh Bones. Slide into my DMs if you want, or just at me. Um, otherwise, just keep an eye on our Instagram and uh, listen to where you can find Kyle. So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, the PlayStation Network, and Onboard Game Geek at PsychoCross, C Y C O C R O S S. You know, sometimes I'm really glad I have that name. Some days I'm like, man, I should just make it my name. But that's what it's been forever, so that's what it's sticking with for now. If you have any suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on social media. Uh, just as a reminder, we will be releasing a new episode all week throughout the or all year throughout the holidays. We are not taking any time off because we adore all of you wonderful listeners so much that we want to make sure we're giving you good things to listen to in your ear holes. So remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.